every sinner that God saves. You've just heard the story of their life. The thing that's missing in today's religion is the work of God's Spirit in a human heart showing them that they're lost. There's a time in a sinner's life when they're lost and they know it, and there's a time in their life when God shows them that they're lost, they know that, and there's a time when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed to the heart. That's what's missing in a present-day religion. They just tell you to uh, read about Jesus, uh, believe him, trust him, uh, accept him. No work of God's Spirit in opening the sinner's heart and showing them what a wicked, lost sinner they are. And that song just uh, was like preaching a message. We could close it up and go home now. The song had all the message in it, and it was wonderful. Uh, today, we're meeting together probably never in the same capacity before, but we're glad that each and every one is here, and uh, those that are listening by tape, we pray that the Lord will bless your heart with a knowledge or a further knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to preach to you this morning from the book of Romans. If you will turn there to Romans 6. And we're going to go to the, uh, well, let me see where we'll read. So let's start reading with verse 1 and we'll read through verse 12. Romans 6 is on page 1662. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death, and therefore were buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, let me just stop a second and tell you that it's not talking about when you were baptized. It's when the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, all of his people went down with him and came up with him, symbolizing his death and his burial and rising again. It has nothing to do here with your baptism. That's why it says we're, we're baptized with Christ. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, now there's talking about our baptism. Knowing this, that our old man, that your nature, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God, which means forever. 
Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's our verse for today, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank thee again and again for thy word and for preserving it for us. And of course, every time we read it, we just wonder just how much we know because we realize just how little we know about thy word. But we pray that thy spirit will give us understanding that each one here will have their understanding opened to see the Lord Jesus Christ lifted up as the one who paid our sin debt. And, and help us to see that it's by the Spirit indwelling us that we're able to overcome sin in our body. We ask thee to be our teacher this morning. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. To obey bodily lust is the reign of sin. Christians are strictly obliged to take care that sin get not dominion over them by the desires and interests of the mortal body. Why is sin said to reign in our bodies rather than in our souls? Doesn't our Lord teach a closeness of body and soul? Well, let's look at Matthew 15, verse 18. Matthew 15, 18. Page 1431. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Now you see, these things that we just read, these things like evil thoughts and murders and Everybody wants to say, the devil made me do it. The devil this and that. There were years ago, there was a, um, a stand-up comedian, a funny little colored fella, and he always said, the devil made me do it. But you see where these things come from? They come from the normal, natural heart of a person, of a sinner. But here it says in our verse today, in your body. That's because lusts mostly manifest themselves in the body and belong to the body and the flesh. Well, let's let the Bible explain that to you. Turn to Colossians 3.5. Colossians 3.5. It's on page 1739. Mortify, which means put to death. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and, co and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul tells us about that again in Romans 7 and verse 23. 
Romans 7, 23, on page 1664. He said, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, the next verse here, Paul is describing himself not before God interfered into his life, but long after he preached, long, well, real close probably to the end of his ministry. But he says, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He knowing the answer, it isn't that he's perturbed about it, He's merely making a statement that in his body is no good thing. There still remains that deceptive heart, that depraved nature, and he's just anxious to get rid of the body so that he'll be with Christ. And, of course, the promise for a new body is what is so wonderful. <laughs> okay. Now, lust, war in your body. These lusts blind our minds and corrupt our hearts and entice our affections so that we follow after them earnestly with the neglect of God and, and our immortal souls. Now, though some sins are seated in the mind as heresies, yet they are called works of the flesh. I'm going to show that to you. Galatians 5, 19 and 20. Galatians 5, 19 and 20, on page 1720, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and you would think that would be plenty, but there's even more. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now the reason why sin is said to reign in our bodies is because of the strong inclination of our souls to things of the earth or things that please the flesh to gratify bodily life. Now, Paul, in our scripture, adds the word mortal. The reason to remind us of the first rise of sin for sin brought out in death. Look at Romans 5, 12. You're already there in Romans 6, but look at Romans 5, 12, page 1661. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so while we live this mortal bodily life, we are subject to these desires, swarms of sinful notions and inclinations to evil remain within us. We are prone 
to them and give way to them and are too slack in resistance of them. Now, one of the reasons that our Lord says take up your cross is because it's these things in your life that you have to deny. Well, look at Matthew 10, 38. Matthew 10, 38. On page 1421, he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And taking up the cross is not hauling off a piece of lumber or, or carrying a big uh, frame of wood. It has to do with your denying yourself of certain things in life. It's a cross of denial. And though ignorance and laziness of our minds, we cannot discern or distinguish between what regular nature desires and lust craves, there are lawful desires of the body and prohibited desires of the body, but through the crafty conspiracy between the understanding and the false heart, we easily give away to what is wrong under the pretense of what is lawful and convenient. This way, we insensibly slide into compliance with the plain, prohibited desires of the body. Now, why does the heart and understanding cooperate so well in this deception of the soul? I would tell you why. I turn to Ephesians 2.3. Ephesians 2.3 on page 1723, it says, Among whom we also had our conversation in times past. Everybody has a times past in their life if they're saved. There's a times past when you live just like he's saying here. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, See, they both go together. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, Paul is saying our natures aren't any different from all of those who will go to hell. We all have the same nature. If anybody goes to heaven, it's because of the grace of God being shown to them because of the good pleasure of his will. Absolutely nothing in the sinner attracts God. He set his love upon some from eternity, and those are the ones who will be saved regardless of their nature as the children of wrath. Well, why all of this? Well, first of all, we've got to look at the heart in every individual. Look at Jeremiah 17, 9. In Jeremiah 17, 9, on page 1139, God gives us a statement that isn't just uh, pointing at Jeremiah. It's at all of us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Well, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. 
You see, the heart can't be trusted even in a saint. The heart is your basic human nature. Now let's look at the understanding. What kind of understanding does a sinner have? Well, look at Ephesians 4.18. Ephesians 4.18 on page 1726 having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness Darkened means no spiritual light. Uh, there's lots of artificial light. You can teach it lots of things, just like you can teach elephants to walk round and round in a ring holding each other's tails. That's always an amazing thing to see. But in Romans 1.31, Paul even goes so far as to say people are without understanding. Romans 1.31. That's going to be on page uh, 1656. Uh, let's start with verse 28 and read to the end of the chapter because this is important. This is, this is, I'm not going to say good stuff, but it's important things for you to know how God looks at people. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now he's talking about, just finished talking about sodomites, about those who are homosexuals. Okay, God gave them over. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, and here it is, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That take a lot of thought there to understand what we're talking about, or what Paul is talking about, because uh, you can relate to people around you, you can relate to yourself. I... Uh, I know our modern TV isn't going to help that situation any. Uh, there's a lot of people who would not kill anybody. They would not rob anybody. They would not commit adultery. And yet you put on your TV show and you got all of that in front of you and sometimes it just tickles you. And that's what he's saying in verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Just something to think about. 
So with a wicked heart and a blind understanding running the show, sin is going to reign. Lust is headstrong and the will is feeble. And so we are led to obey them. That is because and we are servants and slaves to sin. And though the regenerate be delivered from the power of sin, yet much of this corruption remains in them for their exercise and humiliation. Look at Romans 8.23. Romans 8.23, page 1665. And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Why? Because of the sin in us. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body or when God comes to give us our new body. That's what that means. The redemption of the body. So we are warned to be watchful and to obey the motions of the Spirit or we can slip and be under the power of sin in our old captivity. Turn to Galatians 5, look at verses 16 and 17. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Page 1720. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now, don't misunderstand the word flesh for meaning your body, your skin and your bones. No, that's not what the flesh is here. It has to do with your nature, your nature of children of wrath, even as others. You'll always have it. You'll have it till the day you quit breathing, and then you're free from the flesh. This term, mortal body, puts us in mind of its punishment. Its end is death and destruction. And uh, we had, well, let's say, turn to Romans 5.12 and just show that to you. It's so simple. Page 1661, verse 12, up in the corner. Whereby, wherefore, as by one man, now this is by Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned we had just seen its rise was in sin and the end is death now in Romans 8.10 oh let's see what that says Romans 8.10 verse 16.64 if Christ be in you the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Here it speaks of believers or those who have the spirit of Christ dwelling in them, who being once lost sinners, the punishment of sin, which is death, still takes place. And so their bodies must die and return to the dust. Now for, well, let's say the last 400 years, go back to the 1500s when 
uh, some of our great forefathers begin to print the Bible and to preach and uh, um, you know like Calvin and Luther and um, they, they were there were men that God used to bring the Bible to light well no matter how great they were as far as God's work is concerned they died why did they die because of sin that's the end result of sin in anybody's life their body is going to die now suppose that a person was saved and lived a perfect life of service and sacrifice unto the Lord he still has to die the body of this death as Paul describes it in Romans 7:24, must go back to the earth the res the renewed soul is a partaker of eternal life and shall always live with God in glory though the body be put off for a time yet in time it shall also be partaker of eternal life also believers aren't going to live as just a soul as just a spirit God has promised us new bodies and Paul goes into great detail in explaining how this takes place look at 1st Corinthians 15 start with verse 42 1st Corinthians 15 page 1696 verse 42 so also in the resurrection of the dead it is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power you see all of this because the Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected to show us and he promised us that believers would be resurrected also Verse 44, it's sown a natural body, is raised a spiritual body. What's different between a natural body and a spiritual body? Well, they both have flesh and bone. The natural body has blood. The spiritual body has God's spirit. Our new bodies will not have blood. You will never get cut and bleed and uh, that also brings up a point where we have a heart that pumps blood well we shouldn't if we don't have blood so I don't know how the new body is going to be completely and John says the same thing he said we well I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen but he said well I know that we shall be like him when we see him for we shall see him as he is now let's go down to verse 50 and he says now this I say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God so there be no blood there and neither doth corruption inherit corruption he says behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep or die but we shall all be changed in other words some will be living when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to resurrect his people some will be living that's why he said we'll all be changed whether living or dead in a moment 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, as your resurrection, and we shall be changed, living believers. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, when you got your new body, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, you will live forever, not to die again. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There isn't any anymore. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was a gracious portion of Scripture. The word mortal also shows us the briefness of the body and its delights. You gratify a mortal body with the neglect of a precious and immortal soul, and it doesn't make much sense to pamper a mortal body with so great a loss as to the soul. All good things that the body aims at perishes when the body dies. You have heard the saying, you can't take it with you. Well, for once the world has a saying that's true. But there's something that the body acquires that does remain, and that's the guilt and punishment coming to a disorderly life. You will take that with you. This remains forever. All fleshly pleasure ceases at the grave's mouth, and wealth, pleasure, carnal ease, worldly honor, power are no longer uh, of us or to us when we are laid in the dust. Now what counts? Oh, to have them taken just a little time to secure my soul. Oh, to have my sins paid for. Oh, to have the mighty judge as my Savior and my Redeemer, my advocate, my mediator, my friend. But I didn't take time. I never thought I would die so soon. I had hoped that there was no such thing as living forever, that the church was just a gimmick for a week women, kids. I had really thought the Bible was just another book and that any translation was as good as the next. If I believed anything, it was a lie that God loves everyone, and so why worry? My friends, the Bible declares that the wages of sin is death, and you're going to pick up your paycheck the second you quit breathing. And you get great benefits from your work of sin. It keeps on paying as long as you are in hell. It's an eternal wage. Like your social security. You work for a company all your life. Pay into social security. And when you collect, you don't collect from the company. You collect from the government. Well, you see, here you work your life away in sin earning your wage. In fact, you work for Satan. And when payoff time comes and you think you have earned something wonderful, but you don't collect 
what the devil promised. He skips out. And you get your wages from sin from God, whom you have offended all of your life by your sins. And here is the bottom line. Turn to 1 John 2.17. 1 John 2.17, way in the back of the Bible. It will be on page 1799. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The mortality of the body does not excuse sin, but aggravate it, and that for a little brutish pleasure, for a moment in time, we will forfeit eternal joys and run the hazard of eternal pains. Is it possible to pull out of this? Paul says he did. Look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 It's on page 1716. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only Paul, but true believers, the same thing. Look at Galatians 5, verse 24, page 1720. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. Now, can you do it in your own strength? Here's your answer, Matthew 19, 26. Matthew 19, 26. page 1438 but Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men this is impossible but with God all things are possible there's the spirit of Christ to change our natures and the spirit of Christ to direct and influence our emotions the Spirit works through the Word of God to give life. How do we know that? Look at 1 Peter 1.23. 1 Peter 1.23. It's on page 1789. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All of our business as a Christian is that sin may not reign in our mortal body. The more we think on eternal life and the things contained in the scriptures, the stronger we are against sin. Here's our last scripture for the day, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. A wonderful promise to finish up our message. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. The, one of the most wonderful promises in all the Bible. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ.
who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he's able even to subdue all things unto himself how comforting how informative we look for Christ where who's in heaven he's coming again that's why we're looking for him and we're looking for him for the very fact that he's promised to resurrect all the bodies of believers from Abel on that day of resurrection if we're living will be a day of change it's a marvelous fantastic thought to have a new body that won't sin to be with Christ forever and ever to know without faith to be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ there will be no more faith the life we live today is a life of faith God gives us faith to believe the world laughs at faith they think that's a joke it's not a joke it's the greatest gift that God can give anybody right now faith to know Christ to trust Christ to believe the scriptures to come to him faith to believe that what the Bible says about us as a person is true that we're totally depraved that we have a heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked why we need a Savior when he shows you that you won't feel you won't feel ashamed you won't feel anything you don't care what anybody thinks says or does you'll come to Christ as a lost sinner you'll ask for mercy and when he gives it to you there's going to be nobody going to know it there's nobody there to observe nobody's going to see you're there when Christ is revealed to your heart so what are your friends going to think you're crazy you're you're having a hallucination you're 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 just a fanatic so what you are the one who is either going to live forever with Christ or to suffer forever in hell coming to Christ is the greatest thing you can do for yourself you're not doing it for anybody else you've got to take into consideration you are the most important person in your life when you're coming to Christ after that oh you can pray for your kids you can pray for your husband you can pray for your wife you can all of that after but before you come to Christ you are the number one person who needs to know him let's bow our heads father we thank thee this morning for thy word and for this people and we just just know that coming to Christ is not the easiest thing in the world it has to do and it has to be by thy spirit making us willing no sinner is willing to take his place as a lost sinner unless the